We're talking today about hope that overcomes despair. And the reason for that is because there's a lot of despair in our nation, a lot of, a lot of despair over the situations in which we uh, find ourselves living. And so for that reason, this My Hope America from Bill, vision of Billy Graham just fits greatly with, uh, with the mission and purpose of the life of the church. We should be a, a people of hope and a people of faith because we know God, we know Christ, we know we've been forgiven and we find His power at work in our life uh, to help us deal with the issues of life. And so we're plugging in with hopefully thousands of other churches around the country who will be involved in My Hope America, sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. And uh, you will find in your bulletin a commitment card where you can list up to 10 people. You don't have to look around for 10, whether it's one or two or or whatever. Uh, Develop a a list and develop a relationship with them and pray for them. Because we want to introduce them to the hope that we know in Jesus Christ. And so everybody who's preached lately, uh, not just my sermons but others, when Jason preached and Ken Owens and last week Ryan preached his first sermon, did a great job. And uh, we're all about hope in the life of the church. And the reason for it is because we live in a world of despair. When we introduced the concept about my hope and why we needed to share the hope of Jesus Christ, uh, I shared with you some facts given by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And I want to just share them with you uh, very quickly again just to remind you of something about the despair that we find in our nation. You might remember that they described a neighborhood of 100 people. And here's what they said would take place in that neighborhood of 100 people that seven would struggle with depression and consider suicide. Fourteen would feel crippled or trapped by fear and anxiety. Seven abused or addicted to drugs or alcohol. Eight are struggling with the loss of a job. Three are grieving the death of a loved one. And this is a startling figure. Sixty of that 100 people would not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'd say two things about that. That, I think, ultimately describes a nation that is in despair. Because despair comes in all different ways. And the bottom line is despair comes in such such a, a, a knock to us that maybe we feel like it's a hopeless situation that we face with that despair in life. Now, the second thing that I would say is, when we look at these neighborhood figures like this, it's not just affecting people that we don't know and people who are out there or the neighbors maybe that we do know, but it affects uh, us as well. Some of you are struggling with some of these same issues. You're dealing with some of these same issues that, that are here that we've described and have been discovered by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. That's why we want to proclaim hope. It's for you inside as well as for those outside the church and outside of salvation who need to know about the power of God through Jesus Christ to bring hope into every life, into every situation. You see, despair is that feeling of of like hopelessness, that there's nothing I can do about my situation, nothing I can do about my difficulties, nothing I can do about my grief, or nothing that I can do about my addiction or whatever it is that's that's so so turbulent in, in your life at that time. But hope is the opposite of despair. Hope is the presence of Christ that brings us into a relationship with God. And and, and it's that hope in a relationship with God that brings a new sense of meaning and purpose to our life. See, there are people living in our country who know what poverty is like and they have no hope of overcoming it. 
There are women and children who know what it is to be abused and to live like a victim all of their life. There are parents who deal with the fact that their children have wandered from the faith and they're, they're disappointed and they're heartbroken in that every week. And then there, there, there are some of you who sit down uh, every week with a checkbook and you try to pay the bills and you realize there's just not enough there to pay those bills. Marriage relationships are fractured. Health issues are realities about how fragile we are. And addictions to drugs and alcohol remind us how weak we are. And the reality is that despair is real. And if we're going to be a church that's all about the hope of Jesus Christ, then there are four things that we need to offer everybody who comes into the life of this church, everybody who comes into the doors of this church, four things we need to offer. First of all, a sense of identity, that we recognize them, we affirm them as individuals created in the image of God, and that they have value, and that we welcome them as a, as a person who's important to God. Secondly, we need to offer a sense of community. A lot of people feel isolated in their moments of despair. They feel isolated from family and friends. We need to develop that sense of community that says we welcome you. And we encourage you to join with us and be a part of all that we do in the life of our church. And we really need to go out of our way to welcome those who have taken the energy, effort, and time to come and visit with us and, and, and worship with us on a Sunday or whether it's a Wednesday or whenever it is. To go out of our way to speak to somebody you don't know and affirm them and to welcome them into the community of Spring Valley Baptist. Thirdly, we need to offer people a sense of meaning. A lot of people are in despair because they don't know what their life is supposed to be. They don't know what the meaning of life is about. And we need to be able to share with them that God has a plan and a purpose for their life and that through the Bible they can find out what that life really means. And then fourthly, we need to offer a sense of hope. That hope is found in Jesus Christ who has conquered both the grave and death and who is alive and who is with you in every experience of life. And he shares your despair, he shares your struggle and your pain. That's what we want to offer is biblical hope. And biblical hope is more than just simply a desire or a dream or a wish for the circumstances of life to be better. But, but the biblical hope that we find particularly that the Apostle Paul describes for us today out of Romans 5, is the one that is found in the sovereignty and the grace and the goodness of God. Now, if you have your Bibles, look with me. In uh, Romans 5, we'll read the first 10 verses. You might want to just simply follow along on the screen. But Romans 5, Paul writes about our relationship with God and the hope that it brings into our life. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in this, our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by His blood... How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? 
For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Now, as I read those words, I just find that that passage is, uh, is just filled with hope. Paul talks about the hope of the glory of God. He talks about the fact that as we persevere through difficult times that our faith is enriched and that hope grows and our character is increased. And then he talks about the fact that we will never be disappointed by that hope. Now for the next few minutes I want us to look at these three thoughts that that Paul gives to us here about this hope that overcomes all of of the, the, the despair that you might find in your life and why we need to offer this hope to people in this community who do not know Christ. First he says that the hope Jesus gives us centered in the glory of God. He says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What's the glory of God? It's about all the aspects of God, all His attributes, His holiness, His righteousness, His goodness, His sovereignty, and His grace. And all of those are uniquely God's. And yet in some way He allows us to share in that quality with Him. And at the same time it's a glory that is certain, it's guaranteed. And the significance of that hope is this, that we all desire a life and a world where everything is as it ought to be. What kind of world would that be? It would be a world where marriages never fail, where families never fight, where jobs are always secure, where friends are always faithful, where Christians always love, where race is never an issue, where everyone is accepted, where everyone gets along, where everyone has value, where everyone has respect. Where nations do not have to go to war and where no children go to bed hungry. And to that list you can add an infinite number uh, of of other um, issues that make this less than an ideal world. Because we know the reality is that world does not exist on planet earth. That's because the the world today is ruled by the the, uh, imperfectness of the glory of fallen humanity. So we live in a fallen world. We can't expect everything to be the way we want it to be and perfect because it's still a fallen world. God is still sovereign. God is still supreme. God is still on His throne. God is still the holy God through which we have hope. But the reality is the hope is looked for in too many places instead of in in the glory of God and His goodness. So we're talking about the perfection of His being. We talk about the glory of God. We're talking about the perfection of His plans for all of creation. And we're talking about the perfection of His plan for redemption through Jesus Christ. You see, the glory of God is far superior than all of us could offer because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the glory of God is the superior excellence of His being. And it's the glory of God in which we hope. And that's the biblical hope that overcomes despair because it is based upon the goodness, the righteousness, and the faithfulness of God. That's an amazing God who has given to us Jesus Christ to reveal to us everything about God and what God is like and how God loves us and how much He loved us to send His Son to the cross. Paul writes about that in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and he says... For God who said let light shine out of darkness made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now what's the significance of that? 
What is the significance about the glory of God? And, and why do we hope in the glory of God? Well, that was a, a new story, I think sometime last month in August, a couple of weeks ago, where this couple wanted to name their child Messiah. Any of you remember that story? They wanted to name their child Messiah. Now, I don't know whether that's around the nation, anything can be done about that or not. But this was in a court system in Tennessee. Uh, and a judge in Tennessee ruled that this seven-month-old boy could not have the name Messiah. And then a child support magistrate by the name of Luann Ballou said, the word Messiah is a title, and it's a title that has only been earned by one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Now, what is the significance of God's glory? You might want to write this passage down. It's Isaiah chapter 48 and verses 9 through 11. We find that what God is saying about His glory is that it's His glory and for His glory that He provides for us redemption, salvation, and grace when we deserve wrath. He says, for my own namesake, I delay my wrath. See, we oftentimes think that salvation, when God intervenes in our life and God does something, it's for us that He's doing that. God says, I'm doing it for my glory. I'm doing it for my sake. He says, for my own namesake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you, so as not to cut you off. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? Now catch this phrase. He says, I will not yield my glory to another. See, there are people everywhere who are trying to equal themselves with the glory of God. And God says, I'm not going to yield my glory to anybody else. But at the same time, now catch this. God is saying, it's because of my glory that you aren't destroyed. It's because of my glory that I haven't let loose with the wrath upon you. It's because of the praise that I want to receive from you that I have not let you be destroyed. And he says, it's all because of my glory and I will not give my glory to anybody else. Well, I'm grateful in this one situation that we read about in Tennessee that the judge ruled that the child could not be named Messiah, but that's still a problem in this country today. Because from the Social Security Administration, from their statistics of 2012, just last year, the name Messiah was the fourth most popular name chosen for children. I cannot believe that. I just have a difficult time that people are so anti-God that they would name their child Messiah. Can you imagine what they are pinning upon that poor child as that child goes through life? That's why God says, I won't yield my glory to anybody else. And Paul wants us to know that it's through his glory that we find this hope that will overcome despair. Now, the second thing Paul reminds us of is this, that the hope of Jesus thrives in, in the context of suffering. Now, none of us like to suffer, right? We want, we want to ba uh, basically cruise through school. We want to cruise through work. We want to cruise through life and we don't want to have bumps and bruises and we don't want to go through pain of any sort. We don't want to suffer any kind of way. But that's not the reality of life, is it? There are bumps in the road all along the way. And it comes in many different forms. But listen to what Paul says about a real hope. 
He says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. You see, if we didn't suffer in life, we wouldn't understand the power of God's hope in our life, would we? See, I think all of us, want, we want that hope, but we don't want to go through what it is that gets us there. We'd like to have our character developed and be a stronger person in Christ, but we don't want to go through that crucible of suffering. And it is the crucible of suffering that allows us to understand how powerful the hope and the glory of God is, and it develops our character, it develops perseverance, and most of all, it develops our hope. And I say, I understand this though. Our hope in God is not the resolution or removal of every distress in life. Some people think all I got to do is come to Christ, trust in Him, and my problems are solved. You have a problem solver in your life, but all your problems aren't solved. It doesn't exempt you from pain and suffering and sickness. If that was the case, everybody ought to study to be a doctor so you never would get any kind of disease or illness. And we know that doesn't work for them. You know, or you could be a lawyer and think you never get any legal trouble, and that doesn't work that way. You know, and on and on and on you can go with those thoughts. But we have to be realized that that pain and suffering will come. It's a part of God's plan for our life, but it's a part of God's plan for our life to develop our character. Now, think about that suffering. This image came to mind about pearls, beautiful pearls. You know, a pearl is created, don't you? Some kind of irritant, a grain of sand or something gets into that oyster shell and, and it just irritates that, that oyster. I guess the only thing we can associate it with if um, you got a pebble in your shoe or something, you know. It's, it's difficult to walk on that. It's just irritating. Unfortunately, we can't make oysters in our shoe when we got a rock or something in there. But that's what the oysters do. They secrete that solution around it so it'll start getting smooth and, and be a little bit more comforting to them. And the end result is, is a beautiful pearl is produced through the suffering of that oyster. Well, God wants us to look at the suffering in our life and realize that genuine hope and genuine Christian uh, hope thrives in the context of suffering. Why? Because we allow God to work in our life to bring about what He wants to produce in our life. He's not concerned about our comfort, He's concerned about our character. And it's our character that He wants to build through His love and mercy and grace, all for His glory. Now, here's the third thing that Paul points out. He says that the hope Jesus gives is a hope that does not disappoint us. You know, a lot of the despair we find in our culture today is because people are disillusioned and disappointed. You know, they've looked at relationships that they thought would give them what they wanted, and it failed them. They've looked at jobs as what would make them what they want to be, and that failed them. You know, they looked at prestige and, and power and position and all of these things and money, whatever it might be, and all of those things failed them. But the reality is that the hope Jesus gives is a hope that does not disappoint us. In, in verse 5, Paul says, Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You see, the hope that is centered in a fallen world, if we put our hope and trust in anything but God, it is weak, fragile, and will ultimately fail. But if we put our hope in the glory of God, and we understand how much God loves us, that His love for us is everlasting, and His mercy endures forever, then we'll realize that we will not be disappointed. 
If there's anything you've ever anticipated greatly, a new series coming on television, or you're at the, at the movies and you, and you see all those coming attractions, and, and you say, well, that looks like that'd be a pretty good movie, and you wait for it to come out, and then you go to it, and, and you, it's, not what, it's not what you thought it would be. That new series on television is not what you thought it might be. You know, you look forward to a lot of things in life, and we get there, and we're disillusioned. It's not what we thought it would be. Marriage isn't what we thought it would be. The relationship on the team isn't what we thought it would be. You know, the, the, the class that I'm taking at school is not what I thought that it would be. And there's a lot of disappointment in our life. But the hope that we find in Jesus Christ is a hope that does not disappoint us. And the reason for it is because that hope is bound up in the love of God. Did you catch that part that I put in there and I read on down for that? That tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, that's the depth of God's love for us. That while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus Christ to die for us because of his glory. T-shirts that people wear today say all kinds of things, and I think it's a lot about the philosophy of their life. I saw one recently that said, I love you when you are more like me. And in honesty, that's the way most of us live. We might not wear it on a T-shirt, but that's what we, that's what we say, isn't it? We tend to associate with people who are like us. We tend to go to church with people who are like us. We want to live in a neighborhood where the neighbors are like we are and hold our values and live our lifestyle. We don't want them to have a barking dog. We don't want them to have wild parties, all that kind of stuff. You know, I think this is one of the problems that we unintentionally develop in churches is that, is that we don't reach out to people who are different than we are because we want them to look like us. We feel comfortable being with people like we are. So we need to move beyond that, that comfort zone because God's love went beyond perhaps his comfort zone. And while we were still sinners, because of his glory, he sent Jesus to die for us. Now a lot of people look for hope in a lot of different ways. Um, I read this this week, and I thought this was interesting. Not too long ago, they did a poll to determine the most popular song from the 20th century. And there were you know, thousands of them that were submitted. It, it, the, the one that won kind of surprises me, but yet when I, when I, when I looked up the words and, and read the words, it made sense. I mean, I, I heard Julie Garland sing it in, in The Wizard of Oz, so... What do you think is that number one song? Somewhere over the rainbow. See, that, that's a sign of fact that that was where her hope was. And, and the words go like, I should have had Rick sing it for you. The words go like this. It says, somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I, want, I heard of once in a lullaby. Somewhere over the rainbow, skies are blue, and the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. See, not talking about here, but talking about somewhere else over the rainbow. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me, where troubles melt like lemon drops above, way above the chimney tops. That's where you'll find me. Somewhere over the rainbow, bluebirds fly. Birds fly over the rainbow. Why then, oh, why can't I? If happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why, oh, why can't I? Well, you know, in, in my kind of crash reality approach to that, I'd say because you ain't a bird. 
And I would say because you don't find it in some kind of far-fetched, non-existent world. Hope is found in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, you want to take a wild guess what the second most popular song was in the decade of the 20th century? It was White Christmas. You know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas because that talked about hope. We have a white Christmas and everybody's together for Christmas and everything will be just hunky-dory and life will be fine and wonderful. You know, Christmas is a wonderful time, but it doesn't always pan out that way in life, does it? So here's the bottom line. We all have moments of despair. We all have issues of despair. And the only way to deal with them so that you can be successful in life and get over those times of despair is through the hope that you find in Jesus Christ. Because he takes you into a relationship with God. And it's there that you find out that God's going to work in your life for his sake and for his glory. And he won't share that glory with anybody else. And that means, again, look at that. You understand that. That means that it's God's glory that he is going to use to bring about the hope that you need in your life. So the bottom line is this. If you're in a relationship with God, then you've got the hope that will overcome any despair, any difficulty, any suffering, any pain in your life. If you're not in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, then you don't have that relationship. You don't have your hope built in the glory of God that will allow you to get over all the circumstances in life. So, my challenge to you today is this. I'm offering you hope. I'm offering you hope to have your sins forgiven and and for you to be restored in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a believer, I want to challenge you then to know the power and the significance of this hope you have. And that you see people around you who are, who are suffering and who have difficulties and who are in times of despair, they need the encouragement that comes from the hope of Jesus Christ. That's why I think Billy Graham's vision for America, My Hope America, is right on target. That's why we want to be a part of it. That's why we've asked you to sign up, to open your home, to be Matthews, to pray for people. That's why we want you to do it. It's because we want to be a church that's all about the hope of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the hope that you revealed to us through your glory. Thank you for the hope that is ours to claim in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that you loved us uh, before we loved you and before we knew you. And you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us while we were still sinners. Father, I pray today that if there's anyone here without that hope of Christ in their life, that they will come to acknowledge Him today as Savior. And for those of us who are believers, may we rejoice in our salvation and may we know the power of our hope through You and through Your glory so that we can, we can minister and, and witness to others who need that power. And then, Father, help us to know that we can claim the power of that hope in Christ to deal with any and every circumstance we face in life, no matter how adverse they might be. And Father, I pray it in the name of Christ, and in His name, call for decisions. Amen.